0: Lots and lots of Republicans voted for me in the Senate to substitute its judgment for the people in picking a president. They are ready for someone to take the reins. We need more engagement in this public discourse, and not less. Just listen. I think that's what I need to do is just really listen. What is up, Tennessee? You are listening to TriStar Talk. I'm Jeff Patterson. Happy Good Friday to all of you. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. We are officially on Spotify, so check us out there. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TristarTalk. For your coronavirus update, I saw something that said that the Walgreens tests can give results in five minutes. That's awesome. We need more testing available like that around the state. It would do a lot to help us get accurate numbers and know exactly how we need to respond to the crisis moving forward. Governor Bill Lee announced that the Department of Education has established a partnership with PBS stations across the state to offer first through eighth grade students up to 30 hours of instructional lessons a week. Uh, it is made possible by Tennessee Teachers Teaching with Tennessee Curriculum. More information, broadcast schedules, student t- teacher packets, and access past shows available there. He also said Tennessee is partnering with Nextdoor to provide official, real-time information to Tennesseans about the state's response to COVID-19. Nextdoor, it's funny because I have gotten endless entertainment from keeping up with my Nextdoor app and the things that people post in there. It, it, It really is helpful a lot of times. I do get awesome information from it, but then you get some really insane people just complaining about anything and everything. He also discussed the philosophical mind-bending that he had to do to get on board with instituting more severe measures to combat coronavirus, like the sheltered home order. Governor Lee is a small government guy, and he had a hard time coming around to making this bold move that doctors and experts were telling him would help people because it was against his beliefs. But then, as is always true in politics— he was lo- losing political points every day, that he didn't do something drastic, and so he he obviously had to do what was politically better for him. If you were supposed to receive a stimulus check, you could see that as early as next week, while you may get a check Don't expect the federal government to continue helping with testing. The federal government will no longer be offering aid for testing. And that was a move made by the Trump administration. And that decision comes as we get closer to what the uh, experts reported would be the peak of this virus. State Senator Jeff Yarbrough responded to the move saying, this is the exact opposite of what the federal government should be doing right now will be even more important for states to have a strategy not just for maintaining testing but ramping up in coming weeks. Steve Cohen joined in a letter asking congressional leadership to mandate that lenders prioritize Paycheck, paycheck Protection Program loans for small businesses owned by minorities, women, veterans, and those in underserved markets in the next stimulus bill that Congress is trying to pass. And that may not be a bad idea. To protect the people who will be especially affected by this, and I think it's an easy move to make sure that we prioritize veterans as well. Election news I wanted to bring up John DeBerry again. Um, DeBerry commented on being booted from the Democratic Party, uh, and as we discussed la- last episode, this came prior to his name going on the ballot uh, for the Democratic primary. The Democratic Party said that he could not be on the ballot. They voted him out. (laughs) And he responded saying, the so-called party of inclusion is everything but inclusive. It's all about thinking with one brain, marching in step and following the company line, sitting there like a brainless idiot and letting them tell you what to do. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally called the removal of Uh, the state rep from the Democratic primary ballot, entirely unprecedented and wrong. Not only is it a poor political decision for the Democratic Party, it does severe damage to the Democratic process in our state. But that's a pretty silly comment given that the Tennessee Republican Party removed eight candidates from the primary ballot last election cycle. Uh, Tennessee Democratic Party chair Mary Mancini shot back Lieutenant Governor saying, leaders in the state legislature are still harboring an admitted child molester and a disgraced, scandal-ridden former speaker in their ranks. They're, of course, referring to David Byrd and Glenn Cassida. When Republicans get their own house in order, they can chime in on ours. I think this is a really really interesting conversation about the way we handle political parties. But I would like to add uh, one more thing. Before we get into that, there were some comments from Christopher Hale. He's a candidate seeking the Democratic nomination. Uh, He's challenging Scott Desjardins in his district, who Politico once wrote an article about Scott Desjardins calling him the biggest hypocrite in Congress. Regarding Bernie Sanders' move to drop out of the presidential race, Chris Hale said, If the Democratic Socialist Movement wants to achieve the change it seeks, it needs to win some elections you can't negotiate from a position of power when you lose elections by 23 points. And he is right. Politics is about who's in power and who controls power. For the Tennessee Democratic Party, the people in charge are the party leaders. I I wanted to rope Bernie Sanders into this a little bit because he he was he's a politician that for his career he shunned both parties to to an extent and he still won elections. He was an independent in Vermont. And for him, it wasn't about the party in charge. It was about his personality and what he believed in and his ability to reach voters. So that's where I, I agree with with Chris Hale is that if, if, if a movement like that wants to gain power, uh, they just have to get the votes. And look, if, if this guy, if DeBerry has the votes, he's got the votes, I think. If the Democrats want don't want to claim him, that doesn't necessarily mean that his constituents can't still claim him. Politics is power, and it, whoever's in power gets to control the way politics works. And I I don't think it makes I, to to some extent I do understand the argument from Tennessee Democrats saying that they want people to know that when they're voting for a Democrat, they're getting everything that Democrats believe in. Maybe it's because they thought that those two particular issues meant a lot more and that those were more defining as Democratic characteristics. Whether that's how we want to move forward, I don't know. Because there are plenty of things that the Democratic Party does that I don't agree with. And they claim people that it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to claim. But if the person has, has political efficacy, if they're a powerful political figure, then I think that a lot of people just look the other way. I think other party leaders look the other way. How do we want our political parties to function? Do we want to have party leaders that get to decide who represents the party? Political parties aren't in and of themselves democratic institutions. Their structure... There's hierarchy and it's not always from the bottom up because as is pointed out in this case, this is a lawmaker who continued to win re-election for 26 years. He says, obviously the people here are fine with my policies. I've never hid them and they are still voting for me. But politics is about power and the Democratic Party wants to have more power. They want a more unified bloc and that's how they choose to respond And Republicans do it. I mean, the Tennessee Republican Party removed eight candidates from the primary ballot last election cycle. So a lot of politics is about identity for a lot of people. So I understand why they would make that move. Uh, I think it's just part of a broader conversation maybe that we just need to have about whether we want primaries to work that way, whether we want elections to work that way. And to Chris Hale's point, if legitimacy is about winning elections, then I think John DeBerry's proven that. And to me, talking directly to people, showing them the benefits of certain policies, especially regarding Senator Sanders, that was his whole game plan was a strong grassroots movement. And continuing just to try to inform people about things will, in my mind, be far more effective if a party is having to choose a candidate and is unable to find a new candidate who represents ideas that are more in line with that party, then maybe the party's failing. If if, they, if the party is unable to convince the people that there is a certain candidate who will act in their best interest, then it sounds like it's on them. And it sounds like they either need to get a better candidate. Ultimately, I think it'd be more effective for them to speak directly to the people and convince the people rather than just remove a candidate. And that type of politics was um, effective for Senator Sanders. It's been effective for other candidates, of course, who are more mainstream. And I, I also think that generational divide has a huge, is it, has, has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, his ideas are more palatable for younger voters. Uh, it's just about getting younger voters to go out and vote. If anybody has the best way to do that, please speak up because we need more young people out and active in voting, and I think that the country and our state would look a lot different if that were the case. Joe Biden announced that his campaign is developing two new plans, one to drop the Medicare age to 60, and the other to forgive student loans for middle and low class individuals who went to a public university. That is in addition to his other proposals which are uh, immediately cancel a minimum of $10,000 of student debt per person as proposed by Senator Warren in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. Those earning less than $25,000 per year will not have to make monthly payments and will accrue no interest. Those earning more than $25,000 per year will pay no more than 5% of discretionary income towards payments. And after 20 years, the remainder of federal student loans will be forgiven without any tax burden. Those who participate in public service will be eligible for an additional federal loan forgiveness, including $10,000 per year of forgiveness for up to five years. And he wants to finance the plan by removing the tax cuts that were added to the CARES Act. Chase Clemens is a candidate for Tennessee Senate District 14, which includes Lincoln County, Marshall County, Bedford County, and parts of Rutherford. In a video chat with the Tennessee Democratic Party chair, Clemens made the point of expanding internet access to Tennesseans, saying, when I see a simple request ready to go to fund internet access to every household in Tennessee, that's a no-brainer to me. Every household deserves access to the internet. And he goes on to point out that 25% of Tennesseans don't have access to high-speed internet and 20% of students don't have access to internet at home. There, there are a lot of students that are expected to be doing homework and they don't have easy access to Internet. I think he brings up an interesting point. Maybe the biggest story in Congress is the efforts to pass another bill that would go to helping small businesses. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell tried to push through the $250 billion in funding for small business loans during a procedural session. Democrats had promised that they would object to the $250 billion in funding alone. They wanted to request an additional $100 billion for hospitals and $150 billion for state and local governments, as well as placing conditions on the small business funds and adding oversight requirements for the administration's coronavirus response. Senator Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat of Maryland, said, yes, we need more money for this program, but for goodness sake, let's take the opportunity to make some bipartisan fixes to allow this program to work better for the people it's designed to help. Representative Phil Rowe said, The Democrats are literally holding American workers' salaries hostage. $16 million filed for unemployment in the last three weeks, but they think it's appropriate to stall funding for businesses to rehire employees. Shameful. Senator Alexander said, Today, Senate Democrats blocked additional funding to help small businesses keep paychecks coming to hundreds of thousands of workers across the country. This is no time for Senate Democrats to play political games. And President Donald Trump said Thursday evening that he does not believe additional funding for hospitals and states should be attached to a proposed influx of cash to the small business loan program. But he did support added funding for states and hospitals that need the money in the next phase. So I'm not exactly sure what this debate is really about. Maybe it's just trying to show how one side is helping and another side isn't helping. It's just a political fight. Uh, I mean, I I see the need for doing all of those things, so I guess it makes sense to me just to do it all at once. But I, I think it's also important to recognize that a lot of people are suffering and we just need Congress to figure it out. There are a lot of other things that we can be spending time talking about. Congressman Cooper announced he is introducing legislation to give more independence to inspectors general and allow them to do their job without fear of political retribution. This bill comes off the heels of President Trump's removal of seven inspectors general, including the one tasked with the oversight of the $2 trillion COVID-19 relief funds. U.S. Senator Chris Murphy will introduce the Senate companion of this legislation. He said, We simply cannot allow President Trump to weaponize independent oversight positions in his administration to reward his friends, punish his political enemies, and cover up wrongdoing. That's why I'm calling for inspectors general to be impo- appointed for seven-year terms and to only allow their removal for cause. I know that there's this desire to politicize everybody and everything. I I do believe that political people can still do their jobs in non-political ways. I, I, I do personally think that there are people that can do that. Uh, so I, I understand the need to protect inspectors general. It's an important job, and we do need it to be nonpartisan. We just need people who are willing to give the best information, give accurate information. Congressman Cooper said, an inspector general shedding light on serious problems is a good thing. I've always said sunlight is the best disinfectant. If anything, our inspectors general need more power, not punishment, so they can hold bad actors accountable. And I, and I agree with that. This was a very interesting story. Uh, I'm going to follow this one more closely. We brought him up in the last episode, candidate Justin Jones. He's running against Jim Cooper in, in the Democratic primary for District 5. Candidate Jones announced that he will not be on the ballot for the primary because he failed to get the required 25 signatures needed to appear on the ballot. He said, our candidate petitioners were... Still do amidst this pandemic. We had to go and do this in person. Some signatures were thrown out. One was purged because of felony disenfranchisement. Another voter because they changed their address. So by a one signature technicality, we're not allowed on the ballot. That's it's It's disappointing, but I got to be honest. He announced his run a long time ago. I don't know how he went this long without getting all the necessary signatures. It makes no sense to me. Maybe I'll change my tune on this (laughs) as more information comes out or if new decisions are made, but I have a hard time feeling bad for him right now. We need a candidate that's, I think, more organized and is able to get those signatures. If anything, the inability to get the signatures maybe proves that you weren't able to garner the support you thought you could get. I don't know. It's a shame I, I do I do appreciate a lot of the things that Jones stands for but this was this was a pretty disappointing story to see from someone who's seeking public office that they weren't even able to get the number of signatures they needed to be on the ballot and then are are you're blaming it on on the coronavirus pandemic. Plenty of other people have managed to get on the ballot this election cycle. and I haven't seen other stories about people being unable to get their names on the ballot because of this perhaps we can talk about it next time that's all we have for the show today Uh, thank you so much for listening if you haven't go ahead and subscribe we are on spotify and hopefully we're going to be on apple Podcasts soon as well and go ahead and follow us on instagram and twitter at tristartalk i'm jeff patterson thanks so much for listening